Amen, amen. Our text for this series and for today comes from John chapter 10, verse number 10. John chapter 10, verse number 10. The thief does not come except to steal, to kill, and to destroy. Another translation, Satan ain't your friend. Nothing that the devil has is good for you. Another way of saying that, anything outside of God will mess you up. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I've come that they might have life and have it more abundantly. As we jump back into our series, Get Your Life Back, I want to talk to you from the subject, the voice. Because how many of you know that the voice of God is one of the most crucial things in us living and getting the life that God wants us to have. Amen? Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, would you minister by your grace and by your power to every single heart? Would you pierce through all the noise and speak directly to our spirits, encourage us, and lift us up in our inner man? In Jesus' name, and everybody said, Amen. Amen. You may be seated. As we come to the text, just a quick review. Jesus said, I came not to establish a church, although he did, Not to give a moral code of conduct, although he did. I came that you might have life and have it more abundantly. The word life is the Greek word zoe. It means the God kind of life. More literally, it describes eternal and spiritual life where our sin nature is removed and we receive God's very own nature on the inside of us when we become born again. And that change on the inside overflows and affects everything on the outside, right? And the change is so profound that people can see it in our walk, see it in our talk. As the old song says, see it all all over me. The new life produces joy and peace and fulfillment and contentment and rest and assurance and victory. It's not just a new life. It is new and better life than ever before. And so if you're here today, if you're watching at one of our campuses or online and you feel empty, you feel out of control, you feel purposeless, unfulfilled, not happy, like you keep hitting dead ends in your life and you need a rest reset, then you are tuning in. You are in the right place right now. And I love the word reset. When, when my son was little and we were playing video games, and by the way, when I said my son was little, it just reminded me, it's somebody's birthday today. It's my daughter's 25th birthday today. Happy birthday. She's going to hate me for that, but go ahead on online chat. Say happy birthday, Nicole, a bunch of times. Anyway, um, when my son and I, we were playing video games when he was young, and I was terrible with him. I mean, I used to tease him so much and, you know, in everything. I mean, I'd make him think he was going to win, and then i come back and win at the last minute and then dance around and go, ha, ha, and all this kind of stuff. But anyway, so we'd be playing video games, and if he saw that I was going to beat him, because I would tease him all the time, before I could win, he would hit the reset button. So he'd get a new chance at a, at a different outcome. And, and I love that because how many of you know Jesus wants to give us a new chance at a different outcome in life? That's what Zoe kind of life is. It's new and better life. It's far better than ever before. And one of the keys to this kind of life and the key that I want to talk to you about today, Jesus discusses prior to verse number 10 in verses number 3 through 5, same chapter. He's talking to us in this whole chapter about abundant life, the Zoe kind of life, the life where our nature is changed on the inside, affects everything on the outside. And here's what he says. The sheep hear his voice. 
He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And when he brings out his own sheep, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. Yet they will by no means follow a stranger, but will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of a stranger. The voice of God. The voice of God is one of the biggest keys to us experiencing the life of God. Has God ever spoken to any of you? Has God ever spoken to you? Can I see your hand if God has spoken to you? Right? And God, God speaks to many of us. And, and most of the time, the way that God speaks to us is in an inner witness or some type of confirmation in our spirit. And, and we say God, God has spoken to us. But I have actually heard the audible voice of God. Not a lot. I only heard the audible voice of God two times in my entire life. And one time will forever stick with me. It was when my parents and my family was navigating the problematic and troubled waters of divorce. And by the way, let me just make this clear. There's always, um, there's always reconciliation in Christ. There's always forgiveness in Christ. But let's not get it twisted because in our day and age, we have normalized divorce. We've made it seem like, ah, if you don't get along, just go for a divorce. You know, what's the big deal? Start over. No, let's remember what the scripture says. God hates divorce. And so we always ought to do everything that is possible to work out our marriage because we owe that to the Lord and to our family. In any case, my parents and my family were navigating the problematic waters and the troubled waters of divorce. And I was overwhelmed with sorrow. And I love when people, and I don't know why I'm saying this, but people say, well, the kids will be all right. They'll bounce back. And that's true. I understand that, that God's strength is sufficient and all. But why go through it in the first place? You know, you get enough dings in life, eventually you begin to walk with a little bit of a shake. You know, so we need to li- limit the, d- the dings when we are in control of those things. And we were going through that, and I was overwhelmed with sorrow. From my perspective, my world, as I knew it, was coming crashing down. And I had been a sketcher when I was younger, and, and so I sketched a picture of Jesus and in pencil and stuff like that. Real nice, shaded it in. You should see how I can draw. I can draw pretty good. Anyway, I put it over the stereo, and in my, in my 14-year-old faith, I looked at that picture, I just cried out to Jesus, I prayed the shortest prayer you could possibly pray, God help. Peter prayed that pe- prayer, by the way. When he was sinking after he walked on the water, he said, Jesus help. How many of you know you don't have to pray long in order for it to be effective? You just need to pray from your heart. And sometimes all you can form is a God help. Jesus help, right? Sometimes that's all. But God loves us so much. He's not concerned with the theology of our prayer, even though I believe we ought to pray according to good theology. But sometimes God just wants our heart, right? God help. And the same way that he reached down and he helped out Peter and picked him up, the voice of God spoke to me, the audible voice of God in that moment. I remember it like it was yesterday. Don't worry, my son. Everything will be okay. And this voice was powerful and piercing, and yet at the same time, it was comforting and peaceful. It made the hair on the back of my head stand up, turned around because I thought Jesus was actually in the room, but it made the anxiety in my heart stand down. The voice of God, it changes things. Revelation says it's the voice as of the sound of many waters. In other words, it is that powerful. It is that consuming. It has this way of just creating this, this, this 
flushing of whatever you're going through in life, but at the same time creating this great calm on the inside of me. And what I want to just, just prophesy for the moment, I want God to speak to you. There is nothing like the voice of God, nothing more reassuring, more powerful, more caring, more loving, more reliable, more trustworthy, nothing more full of truth and full of wisdom. No other voice that I'd rather hear. Word of God, voice of God, speak. That's what we need in our lives. We go searching for answers in all these other places. People to say something to us and people, we need God to speak to us. Or I should say, we need to listen to the voice of God. Because God is always, always speaking. He's always speaking to us. He never goes mute. Only reason why we think God goes mute is because our ability to hear gets turned off. And we have to sometimes, you know, work through all of those things. And so today I want to minister to you. I want to share with you the importance of listening to the voice of God. In the context of abundant life, Jesus says, for they, verse number four, my sheep, they know his voice. My sheep know my voice. God's sheep know his voice. The word know means to believe wholeheartedly, to believe wholeheartedly, to completely trust or to go all in on. That's what it means to know the voice of God. Anybody ever see the, the, the TV show, The Voice? Anybody ever see that? You know how it works, right? Um, these famous singers, right? Famous, uh, you know, world-class singers, John Legend and, you know, the country guy, what's his name? Blake Shelton and, you know, all these other, I think, uh, Arianda Grande, what's her name? Arianda, what's her name? I don't listen to secular music, so I don't know. No, I'm just playing. Uh, anyway, all these famous people are on there and, and, and they are looking for the next great voice. The next great voice. And, and what's, they want to make the voice the thing. They're not looking for the next great performer. They're looking for the next great voice. And so, in order for them to discover the next great voice, they have to listen to the voice without seeing the body that the voice is coming from. And so, you know what they do, right? They, they sit in a chair. And the chair, the back of the chair is to where the voice is coming from. And then if they hear a voice that they think is the next great voice, what they do is they hit a button and their chair spins around. How fun is that? I want one of, one of those chairs just at my desk, right? Just to kind of be sitting there to entertain myself during the day. Boop, whoop, and there you go. Turn around, right? And so, and what they're doing when they turn around is they're saying, we believe that this voice has what it takes to get us past the finish line. We believe that this voice on our team is going to get us the win. And sometimes the voice is just so powerful and it's just, it's, it's got the if factor that every single chair turns around. What is God saying to us, and what does this have to do with knowing the voice of God? God wants us to turn our chairs around when it comes to hearing his voice. And so, when God says, come, what does he want you to do? Turn your chair around. When God says, no, what does he want you to do? Turn your chair around. When God says, go, what does he want you to do? Turn your chair around. When God says show up in church on back to church weekend, onliners, what does he want you to do? 
turn your chair around. When God says tithe, everybody in the place, what does he want you to do? Turn your chair around. What's he want you to do? He wants you to go all in to believe wholeheartedly, to trust completely in his voice. Matter of fact, this is what Proverbs says. Proverbs chapter 3, verse number 5. Trust in the Lord with, notice, all your heart. All your heart. And lead not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will direct your paths. Not part of your heart, not the majority of your heart, but all of your heart. Go all in. Believe wholeheartedly. Trust the voice. Listen how Jesus puts it. John chapter 10, verse number 3. The sheep hear his voice. And he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. I love this connection. When you go all in, when you trust the voice, God leads you out. Do you want to get out of your circumstances, out of your pain, out of your problems, out of your trouble, out of your heartache, out of your habit, out of your addiction? Trust the voice and God leads you out. I like what Mary, the mother of Jesus, said when they had a problem at the first wedding that Jesus went to, the wedding of Cana. They ran out of wine. And, and, and they all were scrambling around. What are we going to do? What are we going to do? And Mary said this. It was very profound. She said, whatever he tells you to do, do it. What's she saying? Trust the voice. Don't push back on the voice. Don't question the voice. Don't reason with the voice. Don't do half of what the voice tells you to do. Whatever he tells you to do, do it. What's she saying? Believe wholeheartedly. Go all in. Trust the voice. Listen to me. When you make the choice to trust the voice... You will rejoice. I should be on the show because I can sing a little bit, you know. Anyway, listen to Jeremiah chapter 7, verse 23. But this is what I commanded them, saying, Obey my voice, and I will be your God, and you will be my people, and walk in all the ways that I have commanded you, that it may be well with you. Trust the voice, it'll be well with you. Make the choice to obey the voice, and you will Rejoice. So how is it that we, how is it that we learn to, to know, which doesn't mean just simply recognize, right? Because how many of you know you can recognize voices you don't trust? Right? It's, it's to, to trust completely, wholeheartedly, go all in on. How do we trust the voice of God? First of all, trusting the voice requires your time. In Bible times, there were two views on how to know God. One was a Greek concept and one was a Hebrew concept. The Greek concept was that you know God through philosophy. The Hebrew concept was that you know God through intimacy. Philosophy, reading and reasoning. Intimacy through close personal relationship. Reading and reasoning is where most of us stay in our relationship with God. But that never gets you to the point where you can trust God because that requires the time that it takes of close, personal, intimate relationship. You cannot newsflash for like 99% of the body of Christ. You cannot have a thriving relationship with God without spending quality, consistent time with God. It's just impossible. Just like it would be impossible to have a thriving, intimate relationship with anybody who you barely spend time with. How many of you think that if you spend like an hour a week with somebody, you're going to have an intimate relationship with them? But in the church, we think that's the case. 
And what does God say? It requires our time. And the latter, through intimacy, is what Jesus is talking about when he says, my sheep know my voice. Sheep learn to trust the voice of the shepherd through their constant, intimate connection with the shepherd. They spend every waking moment in the presence of the shepherd from sunup to sundown. And as we've learned in recent week, they're totally dependent on the shepherd. So they associate the voice that feeds them with the shepherd. The voice that waters them with the shepherd. The voice that leads them to green pastures with the shepherd. The voice that pulls the ticks off of them with the shepherd. The voice that restores them, picks them up, turns them around, puts their feet on solid ground. I thank the Savior. I thank the Master. I thank God. Remember we talked about that last week? When they're cast, what does the shepherd do? He picks them up. Right? He straddles them. He helps them to get their walk back. What do we do? And while he's doing it, he's talking to them. He's encouraging them. And they're recognizing that voice of rescue with the voice of the Savior. And so every time they hear the voice of the shepherd, they say, whenever I hear that voice, something good happens to me. And so what they do is they get tuned into that voice. What is Jesus teaching us? That trusting the voice requires that we spend intimate time with our Savior and our shepherd. This is why Jesus commended Mary in the middle of all of the distractions when she sat at his feet. And Jesus said, Mary has done the thing that is needful. There's one thing that need, that is needful, and Mary has chosen that thing. What was the thing that was needful? In the middle of all the distractions, to sit at his feet and hear his voice. I just feel the Holy Ghost right now. I'm going to give somebody an answer right now. Sit at his feet and listen to his voice. Have you tried that? I know I've tried a lot of other things. How about just real basic? Just sit at his feet. Listen to his voice. One thing is needful. I know we think we need a lot of other things. Jesus said, okay, sometimes we can't get all the things we need, but one thing you can always get. Sit at his feet. Listen to his voice. And there is no other way to believe wholeheartedly in the voice of the shepherd. David, the Old Testament shepherd turned king, who is a type of the New Testament king turned shepherd, Jesus, said it this way. He said, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who trusts in him. What's he saying? He's saying there's only so far you can get by listening to everything that I tell you about God. I mean, you can get further than listening to most people by listening to what I tell you about God. But I'm just playing with you all again. But here's what he's saying. He's saying, it's only so far you can get. Listen to me tell you how good God is. Listen to me get excited about God. You know, listen to me be hyped about God. The reason why I can't preach in kind of just like a, a monotone is because I'm too excited about God. The reason why some of the people in our worship team, when they get up here and they begin to jump up and down, the reason why they're too excited about God just to sing about God without getting a praise on. And you could look at all that and you can glean about good, God being good, but there's only so far you can get until you taste for yourself, until you experience for yourself, and then you understand why I'm hyped. Then you understand why their praise looks like that. It's because suddenly you realize for you how good God is. And the only way you can realize for you is to give God that time and intimacy with him. You've got to walk with him and talk with him and do life with him. Then and only then do you find out 
how trustworthy the voice is. Trusting the voice requires your time. It's intimacy over philosophy. You want to do, um, you want to do more than just know about him. You want to know him for yourself. Trust the voice. By spending time with him, it'll also help you to understand the sound of God's voice. How many know voices have sounds, right? And you ever, you ever think an animal actually recognizes their name? Anybody ever think that? You know, you call your dog, your cat, your whatever, and they come running. They don't recognize their name. They recognize the sound of the voice when you pronounce their name. The inflections, you know, it's not like they're, they, you know, we think, oh, look how smart, like we have the smart dog. My dog understands, you know, so on and so forth. No, what's happening is they understand the sound, right? And the sound that they recognize, they're able to do certain things because of that. Well, well, sheep are some of the smartest animals. They're dumb, but they're some of the smartest animals when it comes to sound recognition. So much so that they will ignore the voice of a stranger, because it don't sound right. You, a stranger can call a sheep by name. The sheep won't respond. That's how you know they don't recognize their name. Because if 10 of us came in the room and we all yelled out your name, it wouldn't really matter to you who was yelling it out. You'd perk up. You'd say, somebody's calling me. But a sheep will flat out ignore the voice of a stranger even if they're calling that sheep by name. And so what happens when you get to know God in this way and to know his voice and trust his voice is you recognize the sound of his voice. And matter of fact, did you know that Eastern shepherds nicknamed every one of their sheep underneath their care? And, and the nicknames were always based on some type of defining characteristic of the sheep, like a physical characteristic or something that was just about the sheep. And so they would call the sheep, you know, long ears or, or white nose or fluffy. That would be my name for the sheep. Fluffy. Original name, right? Whatever they would call the, the sheep. And, you know, they got the name black sheep, right? It's not because they're, they're an outcast, but because their fur is not quite as white as everybody else's. So black sheep. They'd call them these, and these were affectionate names. They were names of endearment and love. And listen to what Jesus is, is talking about. He says, the sheep hear his voice. And he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. What he's trying to tell us is there is affection and intimacy. Because how many of you know, you just don't nickname people. I mean, I do. I gotta be honest with you. Like I see people and I go, look at that guy over there. And I'll call something out. But, but when you, when you really are in relationship with people, you nickname people. We were just talking about poor Pastor Al. This is not something to make fun of. Poor Pastor Al just got his second toe amputated. So, so Mikey over here, it wasn't my fault, it was Mikey's fault. Mikey said if he was hanging out in New York, we'd call him Nine Toes. <laughs> I told him I was going to get him a little silly putty and just put it, put it over there. It's good to laugh at these things, right? Anyway, they're, they're, but you wouldn't just do that to anybody. We have close enough relationship, right? And so you can't, and it's, it's intimate, it's, it's, it's personal. And, and that's what Jesus is saying. Here's the thing about God. How many of you know that nicknames are still a thing with God? Let's read the Bible. Look at all the nicknames. God changed Abraham's name. He said, okay, now I'm calling you Abraham. What does that mean? Father of many nations. Changed Sarah's name, Sarai's name to Sarah, which means queen. Contentious is what it used to mean. Now it means queen. Jacob's name, which meant surplanted to Israel, which means prince with God. And he changed Simon Bar-Jonah, which simply means son of Jonah, to Peter, which means the rock. 
Jesus was into nicknames. He's called James and John, the sons of thunder, right? I mean, Jesus loved giving nicknames. I'm surprised he didn't call Zacchaeus shorty. No, I'm just like. He loves nicknames. Why? Affectionate. He loves being affectionate. And the names, though, that God gives us, the sound of the voice, listen to it. They don't call out faults, the faults of the past, specifically when God names, but the favor of the future. Not the faults of the past, but the favor of the future. And you know what? God does the same for us. Listen to what Numbers chapter 6 says. You'll all recognize this, but you won't recognize the last part of it. He says, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Anybody recognize that? You don't recognize the next part, I guarantee you. So shall they put my name on the children of Israel and I will bless them. Everybody always leaves the best part out. What's God doing? God puts Not just any nicknames on us. He puts his name on us. He calls us Christians or Christ-like ones. Why? Not to just call us to a higher standard. But so every time he speaks, he speaks over. He overshadows the faults of the past with the favor that he has for us in the future. Because the favor that we receive is because of the name of Jesus that has been placed on us. This is how God operates. And when we get intimate with God. We learn to trust the voice. We, we know the voice. It requires spending time. I don't mean this to be fresh. Make anybody fail, feel bad. Sometimes when I say stuff that's straight, I want it to just poke you a little bit. to get you thinking. Some Christians get confused easily on who's speaking because they don't spend enough time with God. The enemy loves when we don't spend no time with God. Because he's like, I just throw something out there. They're so dumb. This thing is from God. Remember what the enemy does, right? He goes, we talked about that last week. So he just throws stuff out there. And if we don't know the voice of God, he's like, that was him. Second thing that knowing, trusting the voice of God requires is tuning in. The famous story about this aspect of trusting God is or God's voice, is Elijah after he ran from wicked Queen Jezebel. He hides in a cave because he didn't get the desired outcome that he expected. Listen to this. This is going to speak to somebody. He calls down fire from heaven. He destroys all the prophets of Baal. Israel begins to turn his back on God. So he's done a lot for God. How many has ever done a lot for God and then think, I got this outcome in the bag? I've done it. Look at all these things I've done for you, God. I know this is going my way. And instead of it going his way, everybody turns to God except the wicked queen Jezebel and our equally as wicked king husband Ahab. They don't relent. They don't change. And they vow to kill him. And Elijah is weary. He's fight fatigued. How many of you have ever been fight fatigued? You're like fighting, 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 fighting. You win a battle, but boom, here comes another one. And boom, here comes another one. Boom, here comes another one. And so you have unexpected outcome and fight fatigue. And what do you do? You run and you hide in a cave. Because the outcome wasn't what you expected. His life outcome was different. So he was disappointed. 
and he runs and he hides in a, in a cave and he complains to God. How many is glad for the transparency of the Bible? Are you glad about it? I'm glad about it. Because if you just talk to people, you never get transparency. People always give you the highlight reels, right? They never show you the, the down moments. But I'm, I'm glad about the transparency of the Bible because like, I can relate to some of these dudes. Because I've been on the mountaintop and I've been in the cave. You know, got my praise on, got my complaint on. Can I just tell you, even though it's normal, the complaining never works. It just doesn't. It doesn't change anything. You know, and, and we spend more time there than we need to. But he didn't get the desired outcome. He runs and he hides in a cave. And, and, and because the outcome that he didn't want happened, it has overshadowed his voice, his, his, his ability to hear the voice of God. Let me say that again. When outcomes don't come in alignment with our expectations, that can overshadow the voice of God. Well, that is a gem right there. Like I would definitely have wrote, wrote that down because you know you're not going to remember that. Why? Because you're sheep. No, I'm just playing again. And so he goes and he hides in this cave. He quits on life and he throws a pity party. And you know what the Bible says about Elijah? He was a man of like passions. What is God trying to tell us? I know you all do the same kind of stuff. We all do this kind of thing. And he throws a pity party. It's amazing how we think pity parties work, right? And here's the thing. The pity party doesn't work. The love of God works. And, and sometimes we think because God comes for us in our pity party that, oh, I'll just do that again, and I'll just do that again, and I'll just do, and the more pity parties that I throw, I'm going to twist God's arm, and God is going to come. No, it's not the pity party that works. It's the love of God that works. When he sees you run, he comes after you because you're the one, you're away from the pack, and you're susceptible to attack, and so he leaves the 99, and he comes looking for you. And so God shows up at the place that Elijah ran to. Has God ever showed up at the place that you ran to? God is, God shows up in crazy places. Shows up in the bottle. Shows up in the wrong relationship. Shows up in whatever it is that you're running to. Shows up right there. And here's what happens. First Kings chapter 19, verse number 11. And behold, the Lord passed by. Maybe it was a test run. Lord is passing by. Am I welcome? Sometimes the Lord's got to loosen us up a little bit. Sometimes he just shows up. He won't get in. So he, he just passes by. Softens. And the Lord passed by. And a great and strong wind tore into the mountain and broke the rocks in pieces before the Lord. Aren't you glad God doesn't handle us according to his power? <laughs> Imagine if God met your pity with his power. He'd be like, pop! And you'd be like, pop! Right? The Lord was saying to Elijah, look, this, I'm, I'm here. I'm here. He's announcing himself. But the Lord wasn't in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a still small voice. This was God's rendition of earth, wind, and fire. I think God should get some royalties off that, don't you? So much in this text, but the little thing that stands out in a big way is the still small voice. And the tension in the verse 
How do you know there's tension in Bible verses? And where the, whenever there's tension in life, there's a truth that has to be sniffed out. And the tension in the verse is to cut through the earthquake, the tornado, and the fire and tune into the still small voice of God. That's God's voice. And this is the tension in life to cut through all the distractions and to cut through the unexpected outcomes and to take time to tune into the voice of God, to intentionally stop, to intentionally get away, to intentionally run to a cave, to intentionally distance yourself from all of the distractions, to put the cell phone down, turn off the TV and the news, pull a away from the drama, step away before the day gets away and tune into the voice of God. Now, what I love about the story is even in the outcomes of life that are unexpected and unintended by the, that, that, that happen many times because of the involvement of the enemy to push us away from God, they wind up being places where we tune into the voice of God. And I'll say it to you this way, because there's usually no atheists in a foxhole. This is this thing about us humans. Sometimes we need pressure in order to press in. It's like real stupid of us, but the pressure causes us to press in. And so even in this moment, that didn't turn out the way, he hears the voice of God. Tune in. Listen above the noise. Listen to the still small voice in the midst of the noise. Don't let the noise drown out the voice. Trust the voice. That's where your guidance from and through unwanted outcomes are. And in certain pasture lands, in Bible times, there could be multiple herds, multiple herds of sheep all in the same pasture land, right? And so some of this guy's, some of this shepherd's sheep would get mixed up with some of this shepherd's sheep. And how many of you know, you know, from a distance, it's hard to tell the sheep apart. They all look alike. <laughs> right? Us Italians, we, we all look alike, right? People are like, are you Italian? Well, what makes you think I'm Italian? Well, I just kind of, you know. Anyway. And so what would the shepherd have to do? The shepherd would call his sheep. And the sheep would recognize the shepherd's call and then come out from among them. They would perk up and they would tune in to that voice amongst all the other bleeding, amongst all the other noise that was happening with it, but they'd hear the sh- and they'd, they'd perk up right away. What's the takeaway? We are now in a world where we are mixed in. And there's a lot of other sheep that are not part of the shepherd flock of God. And we're mixed in, and we're mixed in, and we're mixed in. And it's easy to let all of that distract us from the voice of God. But God's voice is calling out even amongst all that mixing in. And it's up to us to tune in to the voice of God. Because if you don't tune in, you'll miss the voice of God. For time's sake, I want to leave it there, and I want to give you this last point. Trusting the voice of God requires not just tuning in, but it also requires turning from. Tuning in and turning from. Let's go back to the TV show, The Voice. There are certain voices, as the person is singing, that all they do is listen to. But they never turn their chair around. And the person finishes the whole song, and not even one judge turns their chair around. 
What is Jesus telling us? Listen, John chapter 10, verse number 3. The sheep hear his voice. And he calls his own sheep by name and he leads them out. And when he brings out his own sheep, he goes before them and the sheep follow him for they know his voice. Yet, they will by no means follow a stranger, watch this, but will flee from him for they do not know the voice of the stranger. They will by no means follow the voice of a stranger because they don't know it. They don't only tune the voice of the stranger out, they run from the voice of the stranger. And I can't underestimate this or overestimate this enough. It's not just tuning into the voice, but it's tuning out. And tuning out doesn't mean just turning a deaf ear to. It means fleeing from. It means removing yourself from from that voice that is constantly picking at you and picking at you and picking at you and telling you something that is not from God. Don't hang around it. Don't keep tuning in. Don't keep reasoning with it. Faith comes by hearing. And the more you subject yourself, the more you meditate on strange voices, the less you will trust the voice of the shepherd. So you got to flee. So what happens? You're the judge. And you hear, be bitter. I ain't turning my chair around. Harbor forgiveness, unforgiveness. I ain't turning my chair around. Pay him back. I ain't turning my chair around. Stay home from church. I ain't turning my chair around. You'll never be not turning my chair around. Always going to be like this. Not turning my chair around. Ain't never going to have. Not turning my chair around. Matter of fact, this is a good exercise right here. I just thought I should do a video, right, called the chair walk and sell it for like $19.99. If you do the chair walk, you will get abs of steel. Not turning my chair around. What is God saying? Don't turn around. Don't turn around. Don't turn in or tune into the voice of the enemy. Tune out. Flee from. Not only am I not turning around, but I'm running from. I'm distancing myself. I'm not giving in to anything that is contrary to the voice of truth or the voice of victory or the voice of eternal life or the voice of abundant life. I'm going to pull a Joseph. What do I mean by pull a Joseph? Well, Joseph heard the voice of the enemy in the form of Mrs. Potiphar. Ain't nobody home. Ain't nobody going to know. This is the pleasure without the pain. This is the quick way to the top. You think you have privileges now. Come on, come on, come on, come on. What did Joseph do? Joseph didn't just tune out. Joseph fleed from the voice of the stranger. He ran away from the voice of the stranger. And not only did he run away, but he responded to. I think you should do both. I think you should respond to and run away. What do you say? How can I do such wickedness to my master and sin before God? And then he ran away. You need to respond to and you need to flee from the voice of the stranger because it will mess you up. It'll stop you from living and having the abundant life that God has called you to have. But when you pull a Joseph, 
when you turn from and flee from. Listen to me carefully. It may be a temporary setback. Seriously, Pastor? Really? Like, that was kind of hard. She was kind of good looking. Yeah, he ran. His reward for doing the right thing? Prison. And here's where most people are like, ah, see what I'm talking about? Am I going to do all this? That's how God's going to do me like that? I told, I don't know what it was, last night at the leadership meeting, I said, trust the process. All the prison was, was a connection point. The temporary setback turned into a permanent setup because that was the transportation place that took him to the palace, to the abundant life that God had in store for him. Why? Because he not only listened to the voice of God, he fleed from the voice of the stranger. Pastor, what do I need to do in order for me to live the abundant life? When God speaks, turn your chair around. When the enemy speaks, don't turn it around. Flee from it. Keep your back turned to the enemy. Would you stand to your feet?